You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Uh, this is Dan Savage, and this is the once a week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. If you want to record a question for a podcast, 206-201-2720 is the number. Please include your name and a callback number in case we want to ask you a follow-up question. And you download this every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. We've got tons of calls to get to, including uh, a podcast first, someone whose girlfriend I advised to dump him is calling up to let me have it. And we'll get to him at the end of the show. But right now, let's get to some other calls. Hi, Dan. This is, um, I'm bisexual and polyamorous and, or supposedly polyamorous. My boyfriend of a little over a year has recently gotten a, a new girlfriend and I've gotten extremely jealous and around the same time, although a little before he started dating her, we started having a lot of problems in bed and um, we've pretty much stopped having sex. He says that he hasn't lost his attraction for me, but things have changed and we're just not sleeping together, even though I would like to very much. Um, And I just wonder, this is really painful and it's difficult for me to be around his other girlfriend or the new one. Um, And I was just wondering, do you think this is a sign that maybe I'm not really polyamorous, that maybe I need to be monogamous? Uh, Hey, Melissa, it's Dan. I just listened to your call. Oh, hi. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing all right. How are you? A little better today than you were when you called? <laughs> yeah, I was feeling pretty sad <laughs> that day. My, you know, my first reaction is anyone who's in a relationship that makes them feel that sad and shattered, especially if it's only a relationship that's a year old, should probably end that relationship. Okay. And I don't know if you're bad at being poly or not. Uh, I don't think we can tell that based on this one relationship. But it sounds like your boyfriend is certainly terrible at being poly. You know, poly means, polyamory means many loves. It doesn't mean one unhappy, shattered girlfriend at home that you neglect sexually and a brand new spanking new girlfriend that you rub her nose in. That's not poly, that's sadism. Yeah, I mean, part of, we did have a talk since I called, and he just said a lot of things that I've done. Um... Because I, I, I mean, I've been going through a lot lately, and I think I've been on his back about a lot of things. Sort of made him feel nervous and just not, yeah, that he just can't feel a lot for me sexually right now. Then why are you together? Why are you together? Why are we still together? Um, I think because I would like to try to see if it could work. I told him two months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that I could probably be happy for about that long or live with not having sex for about that long. Um, but that would, yeah. Can I ask how old you guys all are? Um, roughly? I'm, 20, I'm almost 27. Mm-hmm. He's about 30. Golly, you know, I, I, I'm not in a polyamorous relationship myself, and I don't think I ever could be because uh, I barely have the time in my life to take care of one other person emotionally and sexually. But the people I do know who have been in successful polyamorous relationships, it's usually after they've been together for a while, and they've established, the the two, the primary partners, have established something that is very secure, and they're not questioning anymore. And then they're able to take on secondary partners without it undermining 
the primary bond yeah. or destabilizing each other emotionally. See, I'm not, yeah, I'm not his primary. He had a primary, actually, when we first got together. But then they broke up, um, sort of, it was a long, drawn-out thing that ended last summer. Okay, who's so, his primary, or does he not he have a primary? Well, he decides he doesn't, he doesn't want to have a primary. He just wants a harem. This is just a harem flying <laughs> under the cover of polyamory hipsterdom. This is just Joseph Smith polygamy, but we're going to call it polyamory because it makes us all feel hip instead um, of well, soddy. Some people, some people don't do the primary thing, um, primary secondary thing. Um, you know, and I don't know how it's going to work out, how honest that is for us. I'll how can you be in grad school and get your work done and keep track of all this, these entanglements? Well, that's part of why I don't really have any other Like, where in this Venn diagram does, you know, your who I'm in love with fall? Of primary, I, of no primaries, and everybody's a secondary. You know, if everybody's a secondary, can a man really love? You know, is he capable of love? If he's going to say, every woman I date is a secondary? Well, he doesn't see it like that. He just sort of sees us as all having sort of unique relationships. That's what he calls it. And they can't sort of be compared, which is kind of what he says when I complain about, <laughs> I don't know. When you complain um, about what? When I, com- when I compare the new relationship to our relationship and feel that things don't fall out so favorably for me. And so I don't know, yeah, how much of God, that is kind far, of... Just yeah, leave him. Just, just leave him. Don't see him. Break up with him. It sounds like all your connections are, are so tenuous anyway. What difference would it make? Is he financially dependent on you, or are you financially dependent on him? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, I don't. I don't see it. Do you want to give good old-fashioned one at a time serial monogamy, if not monogamy itself, a whirl? I don't think. I'm not sure how much of it's the polyamory, or because I'm happy with seeing someone twice a week and us having a really good connection. You know. A couple times right. a week. Well, but you know, we call that uh, over here in Gayville. We call that fuck buddies. We don't. <laughs> we don't have to call it a relationship. <laughs> we don't say we're like secondary, you know, non-monogamous, polyamorous partners. Yeah. We just say we're fuck buddies and we like to hang out. Why can't well, you I, say that? I mean, which I, I'd be fine with that if we were fucking. Oh yeah, you know what we say about fuck buddies? We're not fucking. <laughs> we say they're not even our friend. We don't even talk about them. Fuck buddies who don't fuck aren't fuck buddies. They're nothing. I mean, you ask at the end of your call, you know, maybe you're no good at this polyamory thing. Maybe you're not. You know, maybe polyamory is this idea that you find appealing and you like, you aspire to be polyamorous, but maybe polyamory ain't for you if you're getting into situations where you're kind of being abused emotionally and sexually under the guise of polyamory. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've been in other polyamorous relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not talking about other ones. We're talking about this one. And this one yeah. doesn't sound so great. It really doesn't. No, no. I mean, right now it feels pretty lousy. It's... Well, don't, do you live with him? Um, no. Don't no. see him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Tell him to fuck off and go be with his other girlfriend. And tell him to, so to, tell him to grow up. You don't a little more time? Because I wondered if the problem was my own insecurity. That if I were more secure what do, myself, I would What do you have to be fine. secure about? Why the fuck shouldn't you be insecure? He doesn't have sex with you. He doesn't want to fuck you. He's got another girlfriend. He's fucking her. He compares your relationship uh, to him with his relationship to her unfavorably. What the fuck do you have to be secure about? Um, yeah. I mean, in myself. I mean, I just wondered if I had brought a more secure person, personality to the relationship that maybe it wouldn't bother me so much or that... 
I, I am, or that it would be something. If you, that so, would, are you telling me you're naturally insecure? Well, I. I yes. Yeah. I mean, that's I what have, you just oh, said. Yeah. I mean, I have been. I didn't. I thought that I had been over it for a couple of years now. <laughs> I was you know, insecurity. Having sort of a naturally insecure personality that doesn't really mesh well with polyamory. Okay. That meshes well. That meshes better with an open relationship, perhaps, where, you know, there are two people and they're it. But they can sometimes fuck around with other people under certain certain circumstances, or mesh as well with swinging. You can do non-monogamy and not do polyamory. But this like polyamory bullshit it just sounds like it's sandpapering every nerve in your body and dipping you into an acid bath. Like fuck it, fuck him. And you know you're in grad school. Be alone. Do your schoolwork. Yeah, that's true. And tell him to fuck off. You don't need to like pour salt in the wound. Oh, come on, honey, drop by. Tell me about how great things are with your new girlfriend that you're actually having sex with while we're not having sex. Fun! What do you want long-term? You're 27 fucking years old. You're not 17. You're not playing games anymore. Like, what do you fucking want long-term? You want to be with a guy? You want to be with this guy for the rest of your life, even in a polyamorous situation? This guy who says he wants no primary partner? Or do you want Um, something more serious and stable eventually? Eventually, I do want something different, but I'll move. But long term for grad school, for while I'm here, I would like somebody that I'm seeing a couple times a week. With okay, who I do that's great. Them. Then find somebody you can yeah. see a couple times a week who's not this guy. Okay. Who doesn't want to fuck you. Who parades around talking in front of you, who, who insists on discussing his new relationship with you when you're unhappy with your relationship with him, which is just kind of mean. Whatever you went through we three months ago. We insist on discussing it. We're just kind of all together and around. Ah, don't do that. Oh, my God. You know, there's a there's a fine line. Actually, it's not that fine a line. It's a big, fat fucking highway in between polyamory and masochism, but it sounds like you're on the masochism side of the highway. Okay. Like, if it makes you unhappy to be around him and her, don't. Okay. And it doesn't make you bad at polyamory and not as sort of hip and sexually progressive a human being as you would like to imagine yourself to be. It just makes you a person who has feelings. And needs to take her own feelings into consideration when she makes choices about who she hangs out with and who she fucks, and when and why, and how, okay? <laughs> okay, well, thanks. Bye. My name is Greg. I'm eating a walnut right now, and I'm having a disagreement with my coworker, Carrie. Say hi, Carrie. Hey. Um, she says that the female G-spot is a total myth, and that any girl who's ever ejaculated... Um, in my presence was just peeing on me. So I'm wondering if uh, there's there's any truth to her statement and whether I've been uh, whether whether I've been lied to by every girl I've ever dated. Yeah, and there were a couple. And the, oh, the other question I had was anal bleaching. Does it uh, does it provide any sort of satisfaction beyond like you know the uh, the, the superficial, the, the visual, whether you know whether it's it's kind of kind of nice, maybe like a like a a fresh start, yeah, like making your bed or or douching douching your puppy. Uh, female ejaculation is a real thing, and female G spot is a real thing. A uh, clump of tissues that surround the female's urethra, uh, the Grafenberg spot up and inside. You stick your finger in and then you make the little come here movement, come here movement. Um, causes some women to uh, 
those tissues to swell, draw fluid out of the bloodstream, and then push it all off into the urethra. And then during orgasmic contractions, it all goes flying across the room. Uh, It's real. It's real. It's real. It comes out of the urethra, uh, and it's clear. And so some people think it must be pee uh, because it's coming out of the urethra, but so does cum. Cum in a guy comes out of the urethra, and nobody thinks that's pee. Um, There are some women who, according to people I know who work in porn, have learned to fake female orgasms because it's much in demand uh, as a, you know, as a performer stunt because things cycle in and out of porn. So there's some women who will pee and say that they are ejaculating and sort of fake it as they pee and they learn to do this because it makes them the big bucks, I guess. Uh, so you could fake it and you, perhaps your girlfriends were faking it, but without the financial incentive to fake it, I can't imagine why they would. And I get tons of email from women, uh, not tons, very occasionally, regularly, a regular stream of email from women who uh, are capable of ejaculation and wish they weren't because it Make such a mess. It's really hard to have a quickie, say, in an elevator or an office hallway or in your dorm room if every time you have an orgasm, uh, it's a little mini flood and there's arcs floating around on the floor by the time you're done. So, that's real. Anal leaching. I believe you mean bleaching. I wouldn't want to see the visuals of an anal leaching. I'm not even sure what an anal leaching would be. Anal bleaching. Some people have dark anuses uh and they would rather have pink anuses and i guess you can a la michael jackson and his whole body uh get your anus bleached into a pinker pucker Uh, i've never known anyone who's done it i've never seen any evidence of anyone uh having done it Uh, i don't know where you go to get it done anal bleaching i would argue is the myth female ejaculate is the happy reality Hey, Dan. My name's Mike. Um, I live on the East Coast. I'm 22, uh, male and single um, and straight. Um, My question to you is this. Uh, I've been laid once in my life, um, uh, and I was very drunk at the time, and so was the girl. Um, And other than that, I really don't have any sexual experience, period. That includes kissing, anything like that. So um, what I'm, I'm afraid of is you know, uh, approaching girls and, uh, and talking to them like for, you know, for, for sexual contact or whatever. Um, so, but this is a problem because I'm very lonely and, uh, and I'm a very personal guy and everyone says that it's strange that I'm not like, you know, hooking up with, with girls and everything like that. And I feel like I could, but I just, I'm kind of scared just because of my lack of experience. So I don't know if you have any advice or anything like that, but you know, how do I overcome this fear? You know, I'm also like afraid that I don't know, uh, what, you know, whether or not they like me and, and how, you know, to initiate conversation with them. So if you, I don't know if you have any advice for me, that'd be great. Uh, Hey Mike, it's Dan. Hey. How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm okay. Good. You got late since you left that message? (laughs) No. Okay. So, uh, you still need me. Yeah, definitely. Here's what's going to happen to you. And it's a little bit like what happened to me when I was 15 fucking years old. Because really, there's nothing that happens to a straight guy that can't be compared or correlated in some way to what happened to a gay guy once. I thought I would never come out because I was too afraid of coming out. And one day, the terror of living in the closet and being alone all my life began to outweigh what I feared would happen, what, what I feared 
you know, would ensue if I came out. You know, I thought the world would end and God would hate me and my parents would die of heart attacks. And eventually I thought, you know what, I bet that's, you know, coming out is now less scary than being closeted. And then I came out. You're going to reach a point where your fear of approaching and talking to girls is going to be less than your fear of being alone for the rest of your life and never getting your dick sucked. Okay. Right? So you're going to scrape up the courage to talk to girls. Right? Yeah. You're going to reach that breaking point where, but what you want to do is you want to get in practice for that breaking point. Because if you wait until you're just psychotic and desperate, you're going to scare the women away. Okay. Right? So you need to practice having conversations with women, which means what? female coworkers, female classmates. Do you work in a male monastery or something? Do you work where there are no, no female No, I mean, humans? like, I, I, mean, I, I talk to, to girls all the time. Like, I have a lot of friends, close friends who are girls. You uh -huh. know what I mean, it's not like I have an issue where I'm scared to approach a girl and talk to her. It's just that when, you know, um, I'm approaching a girl, like, let's say, in a bar or, like, in, like, you know. A pickup if, store. If, if sex is, like, on the table, mm -hmm. then, it becomes, then it becomes an issue because psychologically for me, like, then, you know, things change. But, like... You know, I'm I'm the guy like who's like friends with all his best friends' girlfriends. You know what I mean? Like it's that's like sort of the rule. Sure, you're not a fag or anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not. <laughs> Trust me, I thought about it. You know, like it's not like something that I'm like macho about or anything like that. I just it's you know just something that I've figured out for myself that that's not the case. Uh, I I support your heterosexual identity. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, how did it come to pass the one time you had sex with a girl? You say you were both drunk. Um. Yeah. And was it over? It was and, all right. And uh, so, uh, yeah, um, yeah, everything was fine. Like we, she liked me a lot, and like, um, and I really didn't like her. But then we were both at a party, and we were drunk, and you know something happened. But like, it, I didn't want it. She wanted a relationship, and I didn't. And okay. sort of like it was a difficult situation. Have you gotten drunk since? Yeah. Because it sounds like it sounds like you have inhibitions. Not around talking to women in general, which is the first thing I assume, but around talking to women that you're actually attracted to. You get tongue-tied, you feel weird, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. That's what alcohol is for. <laughs> you know, it's not an accident that humans, human civilizations going back tens of thousands of years, you know, would always find a way to brew something. And it's because people are, all, everyone, however good their game is, everyone is nervous and intimidated by the people that they're attracted to. Because, you know, you're making yourself vulnerable, and you're, you know, you're setting yourself out there. You're going to be judged. You're going to be potentially rejected. That's painful. And so people knock a few back and then approach people. Okay. You know, not shit-faced or anything, but you should drink. You know, I know the whole world says, you know, alcohol is terrible and nobody should drink except everybody does. But nobody should. Nobody should drive and drink. And, you know, it's terrible. The bar seeing people drunk, hitting on each other. Everyone feels like they must condemn it. But you know what? The species would die out if people didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I actually like used to get too drunk. Like I used to black out because I think right. Like, that's what you got to learn. You got to learn the the point yeah. between a few drinks to lower, you know, two or three to lower your inhibitions, so you can talk to women that you're actually attracted to, and ten drinks, which is when you're wanting to obliterate your inhibitions. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're wanting to put yourself and them under, and there's a little happy medium there where you can stand and have a few drinks. And to let it loosen your tongue. And then, what the other issue you have to deal with is your lack of experience. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the, really the biggest, bigger issue, because, like, I feel like I can talk to, to girls, like, it doesn't go well, but, like, I can still do it, but, like, the fact that, like, I get to the point where, like, okay, it's, like, shit or get off the pot, and, like, it doesn't, it doesn't happen because I'm so scared that they're right. going to the think the I'm only, a your only option at that point is to be honest. Yeah. Your only option at that point, the only way to get past your fear is to tell them the truth and say, you know what, I somehow managed to make it to this age, I've only ever done it once, I'm really nervous. And most women will react positively to that kind of trust that you're placing in them. And any woman who wouldn't is no one you want to scar yourself by going to bed with. Okay. So if you're honest with a woman about your lack of experience and she freaks out, you should think, thank God I didn't, thank God I found out now, not when we were naked. You know what, that, that it's, re you know, honestly, it sounds stupid, but that's really nice to hear from someone because n no one's ever put it to me like that, and that makes me feel so much more comfortable about it. That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> Thanks. You know, don't think, there are some women who only want to be with players and only want to be with Lotharios and Casanovas, but a lot of women don't want that, necessarily. Go find one. Okay. I mean, you only have to offer what you got. And what you got is, it sounds like a really decent heart. You sound like a really sweet kid. And a lack of experience, which is not a problem. A lot of people find that charming and attractive. Oh, okay. You'll meet some nice chick who wants to make it her project to make you fucking excellent in bed. <laughs> and they're out there. Okay? Okay, thanks so much. Sure thing. Good luck. Hi, Dan. My name is Van. I've been listening to your podcast for a couple of months, and I want to let you know that I love it, and I'm recommending it to all my friends. Um, now I'm hoping you can help me out with something. I am having trouble dating, I guess. I got out of a long-term relationship that ended really badly a few years ago, and I sort of hid in the gay community and just did casual sex for a while, <laughs> and I had a great time, and I never had a problem finding anybody to go home with, but now I want to start dating and I'm having an issue. Um, all of the guys that I'm interested in, they only seem to want casual sex or they don't seem to be interested in it at all. And I'm thinking it's maybe because I'm putting off some kind of vibe or I'm just picking the wrong guys, and I'm not really sure. Um, I'm not thin and attractive like a lot of the girls that are around here because I live in a beach town. I'm pretty, but I'm I'm not thin. So I kind of feel like I'm the fat chick that you take home for sex, but you never tell your buddies about because, you know, whatever. And and I don't know how to break out of that and start meeting guys that I can actually date. Um, I've been trying stuff online for a while, but I'm finding the same issue there. So I'm just wondering if you have any ideas for me. I actually recently gave some advice to a woman uh, in your shoes, and it turned out pretty well for her, but it took a couple of years. And I'm not going to tell you to lose weight. That's not it. Let's not go to the gym for two years and diet for two years. And then you'll be skinny and all your problems will be solved because no one who's skinny is ever, ever miserable. Uh, what you've got to do is you've got to wait out the immaturity of the boys in your age group. There are guys that are going home with you, not just because you're the fat chick and it's, you know, you're easy. Uh, or they can exploit your insecurities, uh, which is sometimes the case with fat chicks. But there's some of these guys that you're going home with who are totally attracted to your body type, but don't have the courage to be out about it. They want to have a girlfriend that their other male friends covet. 
And so they want not what they want. They want what they think all their other guy friends want. They want the beauty ideal. They want the skinny beach town girl. And you ain't it. But you will be it. Eventually, these guys will get sick of sleeping with a girl like you that they're actually into and actually attracted to and dating some skinny little rail who does nothing for them sexually and that they come to resent emotionally because they don't work for them sexually, all to impress their other guy friends. But that takes time. Guys who are teenagers still or guys in their early 20s, guys in their mid-20s, they can't handle it. They can't handle like just being out to their other guy friends, straight guy friends about being into big girls. And so they, you know, sneak around, sleep with you, hurt you, break your heart, make you feel used. And eventually they get sick of it too. And they man up and just let, you know, they come out about it and they let their friends tease them a little bit. And they realize they shouldn't have been playing this game for 10 fucking years. And they were, you know, they regret the time they wasted. The trick for you and for women in your position is by the time these guys reach that point, by the time they man up by the time they're mature enough to be open about what they're really attracted to, the kinds of women they're really attracted to. The trick for you is you can't be bitter and resentful when they finally come around. And you have every right, usually, uh, a woman like you to be bitter and resentful at that point because guys have treated you like shit or treated you like you were disposable. And not just guys who weren't attracted to you, but guys who were attracted to you treated you like an embarrassment like you somehow, your existence somehow made, you know, outed them before they were ready and they just, they treat you like shit. It's just like when you're gay and already out and you're dating some closet case and he makes you feel terrible all the time. It's very much like that. And you know what? Eventually the closet cases come out and you can date them and it's all good. Eventually for you, the straight guys who are closeted about being into big girls, they get over it. They get over the, them damn selves. They come out. And then you can date them. The trick, again, is making sure that when that time comes, you're not bitter and resentful. And unfortunately, that time usually doesn't come until everybody's pushing 30. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, I took a call from a young woman who was moving to New York City to be with her 90% perfect lover, uh, boyfriend, 10% not so great. And all the not so great stuff was so not so great that I advised her not to move to New York, not to be with this guy, called him out, called him a selfish jerk, called him an asshole, called him a manipulative piece of shit, uh, threatened to stuff my dick down his throat to show him what giving a blowjob feels like. And here's a little clip from our conversation to give you a taste of what it was like. He has to do what it takes to get you off when you have intercourse. It's hard for him to reach around. Oh, oh my God, it's hard for him to reach around? You're having your orifice pounded to a mush by by this guy ramming his dick in and out of you and it's taxing of him to reach around and touch your clit why are you putting up with this i'm not saying you shouldn't be with him but if you're going to be with him it is your mission to fix him sexually for your own good or the good of the women who are going to come after you and wind up tragedy for them in bed with this asshole okay if you're listening to this boyfriend shake the fuck up you pig well you never guess who i'm about to talk to on the telephone so owen it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you mm-hmm. how's it going good so you heard my advice for your girlfriend i did is she still your girlfriend yeah why in fact, she moved in um about a week and a half ago how's it going well <clears throat> 
you might be surprised to learn that things went actually pretty well. So the idea is that your podcast came out about a week after she moved in, mm -hmm. right? And, um, I mean, clearly we, we had talked for a long time about some of these problems, about me giving her head and everything like that. And your inability to do a little reach around and touch her clicks, that's too exhausting for you, and your expectation that she should be able to have an orgasm from vaginal intercourse alone because all your other girlfriends have, and your insistence that she not use a vibrator or touch herself while you fuck her because it made you feel inadequate. Uh, well, the your refusal to go down on her except put a kink in your neck and it wasn't reciprocal because even though she went down on you, she enjoyed it. But since you didn't necessarily enjoy going down on her, you shouldn't have to give her oral sex. You talked about well, you've resolved all these issues in the week? Um, as a matter of fact, we could talk about each one one by one. But the thing is that they actually wound up being rather inaccurate. Your girlfriends? And... Um, like, for example, I mean, we, since she's moved in, we have actually had some pretty good sex. And... Were you there at the time? Giving her head, <laughs> me giving her head has not really been an issue. You Why? Know? Like, I, I've been doing it, it's been really good, you know. The only thing is for us to relieve the, the pressure of doing it. I was wondering if you had any sort of thing to say about how to just kind of... Mm, how to get over the fight that we had about it. Because, I mean, you're not going to believe me, I guess, but, but we really have been doing it a lot. I've been eating her a lot. It's been a really good time. Um, before I heard your podcast, I even had suggested a number of the things that you wanted, you know, like uh -huh. like uh, angling her on the bed, you know, in various ways, and her masturbating while we have sex and all this stuff, you know. Like, we have, we have done it, you know, all of it. And I like to think on my instigation, but I'm sure we came up with it together, you know. But so you're telling me your girlfriend was lying to me? Uh, I think that she was under a lot of pressure, you know, on to be on the radio and so forth. And <laughs> uh -huh. it, it kind of came out just a little too quick. And, like, the, the details, you know, it's... I mean, you know, we've been in a long-distance relationship, and... Where is she and, there? Can she vouch for you now? Like, this is kind of a 180. I know, I know. You were made, I was, she said that, you know... I really wanted to be on the phone together with her. I mean, she agrees with me that things have really improved. Better, you know, things have really what? Things have improved. Improved, yeah. We're both um, kind of heavy thinkers in general, and uh, it's really difficult for each of us to, to have orgasms, okay? And... Given given that, um, given that we're we've uh, we've had so much fight, so much so many fights about this, um, it's it's really hard to turn our minds off from the fights and just and just enjoy when we're actually having sex. Right. You do when know that when you guys were fighting about this, that you were in the wrong. Correct. Um, sort of, but I really no no no. You were like, in the wrong. This not wanting to eat her pussy because it didn't turn you on, but accepting blowjobs from her? That was wrong. Oh, but I did eat her out a lot. Not she according was, to her. Like, so, sounds like you made like, her feel terrible about it and guilty about it, and then you probably destroyed her enjoyment of it by bitching and whining and moaning about it, by your neck and it not being reciprocal because you weren't digging it. Right? Uh-huh. It doesn't sound like you're 
too terribly thoughtful, or either of you too terribly thoughtful. And you, you know, thoughtfulness is not an impediment to orgasm. A lot of smart, intelligent people have orgasms without any trouble. It sounds like you are a little tense and resentful, and you guys had this big issue in your relationship that required a lot of screaming and yelling to resolve, right? Well, yeah, and it's hardly resolved. You know, we keep worrying about it. Well, if it's working now, if you're eating her pussy and you're happy and you're reaching around and you're encouraging her to masturbate and have her orgasms and you have let go of this totally bullshit position that all women should be able to come through vaginal intercourse alone and it's somehow, uh, you know, a black mark on your skills as a lover if she can't do it, pressuring her into faking orgasms, which is something you never want to do, if you let go of all that then you should be able to move past it because she has, through her insistence and through these arguments, upped your game and educated you and made you a better, more considerate lover. Problem solved, right? <laughs> oh, you know, if, if we could forget about it, then I would be the, the happiest guy. It, it, sounds like I, you can, it sounds like you're angry. Right now? No, just in general. It sounds like you're angry at her. Mm. Well, or are you angry at me? No, I thought it was fine, um, you know, but it, it really just didn't seem like the whole story when she called you. Well, it never is. I mean, that's part of the advice game is you get one person's side and you kind of have to buy off on what they're telling you and run with it and give them some advice. But is it going to help, you know, are, so is your girlfriend a liar? Was that all just a pack of lies, everything she laid out on the podcast? No. Uh, I think she is very sensitive and I really want to eat her as much as possible. You know, and I want you to do that too. You know what? I do. I want you to do that too. I don't want to do it because of you know because because she's mad. I want to do it because I like her pussy. Right? That's the point. You know, and I want to be able to forget everything that's happened so far. Because if I'm eating her pussy because she's mad about me not eating her pussy, then it's not a good time for either of us. You know. But you just need to stop obsessing about what got you to the point where you're willing to eat her pussy all the time. You lost one, Owen. You lost one. You were in the wrong. Just admit it and let it go. You, you, it sounds like you want to backtrack and try to make it, you know, 50% her fault and 50% your fault. Sometimes arguments and fights in a relationship aren't half and half his, her fault. It sounds like you're only 24, dude. It sounds like you managed to get to 22, 23, 24 with you know, some mistaken impressions about female sexuality and response and a rather inflated opinion of your own skills. Right? And she had to deconstruct all that for you, and that was unpleasant, that process, particularly perhaps this public airing of it. And you're still, it sounds like you're kind of like tense and bottled up and angry about that. But you know what? You should be fucking grateful. She fixed you. She made you, this made you a better lover. You were operating under some mistaken impressions. And but for her, but for Hannah getting up in your grill about it, you would have gone on to your next girlfriend because she wasn't going to stay with you if you didn't fix this shit. You would have gone on to your next girlfriend and just put off the day of reckoning. And it would have been worse because then you would have been, you know, 20 years into your sexual history instead of six or seven years into your sexual history. Mm-hmm. And you would have had more to be embarrassed about mm-hmm. than you do now. So let it go, dude. Don't be angry. Okay. We've all had, we you know what? Let it go. I've had this experience. I've been in your shoes. Nobody's born knowing how to fuck. Mm-hmm. These are skills people acquire through trial and error. We've all had a lover like grab us by the neck and pull us up short and straighten us out. That's a great image. <laughs>
it takes the kink right out of your neck. Somebody grabs you by the neck and pulls you up short and straightens you out. But just say it. Oh. Say, I was more in the wrong than she was. I was more in the wrong than she was. And then let it go. If you're holding on to anything, it's this infantile desire to somehow exonerate yourself by making it half her fault and half your fault. Then that's fair. You know what? It probably doesn't sound like it was. But you should be proud of yourself for coming round, if you've come round. And stop and don't harbor resentment at her for bringing you around. And if you can't let go of the resentment at her for bringing you around, you should let go of her because it'll poison the relationship. You just need to, like, man up, own it, let it go. All right? Okay. Now go eat her pussy. I'll do it when she gets home. Good. Okay. Bye. Before we sign off, and that was interesting, wasn't it, kids? Before we sign off, a couple of emails about doggy style. Last week, we took a call from a young lady whose boyfriend enjoyed doing it doggy style, but she felt a little demeaned and dehumanized by doggy style to the point of it sort of stirring up some emotional anxiety because she said of the disconnect, because she felt just like a whole and not a person. And Theodore writes, Dan, one thought for the woman who feels disconnected and sad about doggy style sex, try using a mirror. I had issues with doggy style in the past because it felt like I was domineering and simply fucking a vagina. My girlfriend really enjoys doggy style and suggested that we use a mirror. This way, I could look into her eyes to maintain that connection and also look at the wonderful pear shape of her ass. This helped me get over my college PC bullshit about this position, as you put it, and now I quite enjoy giving it from behind with or without the mirror. Thanks, Theodore. Uh, And we got other emails from women backing theater up on that issue, at least three others from women saying, just do it in front of a mirror and look into his eyes. And some suggestions from another dude. Hmm, both the emails are from dudes. Just listen to the love cast. I have a tip for the woman who called and told the sad tale of how doggy style sex with her boyfriend wounds her emotionally, ostensibly because of the roles being taken in the context of the act. My wife and I do doggy style quite a bit, and there are two variants we enjoy that she might like to try. In one, the woman lies on her stomach, and the man lays on top of her back. Another podcast fan wrote about this position as a shallow position good for couples with large penis-length vagina depth ratios. And that's true, but it is also a very intimate version of doggy style, since the man is free to kiss, nibble, etc. with his mouth, and with a bolster, touch her breasts. This works with the woman's legs either open or closed, with varying depths possible. The other form is more like conventional doggy style. The man kneels, woman gets on her hands and knees, but instead of the man grabbing onto the woman and providing the motion, which the caller described as unpleasant, the woman takes charge and rocks back and forth while the man stays still. This gives the woman all the control, and I found that it can increase their enjoyment of the act. Thanks for sharing, Jason. That wraps this podcast, this contentious, argumentative podcast up. 206-201-2720 is the number. If you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, try to keep it under a couple of minutes, the question, and leave us a callback number in case we want to chat with you live, 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 taped on the air or not the air, right? The the text that we at risk youth are rolling their eyes. I keep saying on the air, but it's not a radio show. It's on... What? The earbuds? What the fuck do you say? We're going to put your call on the podcast. www.thestranger.com slash savage is where you download us every week. And we'll be back at you next week with another installment. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.